Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The reading today is from Deuteronomy, and it's chapter 26, verses 1 to 11. It's entitled, First Fruits and Tithes. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and have taken possession of it, and settled in it, Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the lands the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. Then, go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the lands the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Amen. Well, so today is our, our Christmas service, uh, I mean our, <laughs> our harvest service. It's not quite Christmas yet, is it? Or is it? I mean, we don't actually know when Jesus was born. So, I mean, we, we know he was born um, on, you know, around B.C. 4 uh, in Bethlehem, but we don't really know what month he was born. I mean, the only thing we do know is that he wasn't born on the 25th of December. Uh, That was a a pagan religious festival, and the early Christians kind of went, well, you know, we got the day off, so let's celebrate uh, uh, Jesus' birth on the 25th of December. Uh, But but we know it couldn't have been the 25th of December because the Bible tells us uh, that the shepherds were out in their fields watching their sheep. And they don't do that in the middle of the winter. They only do that in the summer or the early autumn. And so most scholars think that Jesus was probably actually born uh, around the late summer, autumn time. Kind of around about now, like September. Um, Why am I even telling you this? (laughs) Uh, Well, this leads to a little theory I've got. Uh, So you see, there are three big annual harvest festivals in the Old Testament. Uh, And so, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 16, it says, 
three times a year all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose. At the festival of unleavened bread, normally called Passover. At the festival of weeks, also called Pentecost. And the festival of tabernacles. And so there were these three big annual harvest festivals. And the Passover was at the time of the barley harvest, sort of March, April. And Pentecost was 50 days later with the wheat harvest, sort of in May, June time. And then you had the, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is at the time of the, the, the fruit harvest, which is September, late September, October. Uh, it was a seven-day festival, uh, and, and this year it starts on the 29th of September. But these weren't just harvest festivals. They were also a religious festival. And so at Passover, they would remember how God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. At Pentecost, they would remember how God made a covenant relationship with them at Mount Sinai and how God gave them the law, the Torah. And then at the Feast of Tabernacles, they would remember how they used to live in tents in the wilderness. The word tabernacle literally means, simply means tent. But more so, they would remember how God dwelt with them in a tent, in a tabernacle. And so as Christians, at Passover, we remember how God rescues us through the death of Jesus. And at Pentecost, we remember how God enters into a relationship with us, but not by giving us the law, but by giving us his Holy Spirit. And at the Feast of Tab Tabernacles, we remember, well, what do we remember? And this is where my little theory comes in. I think we should remember how God dwelt with us, but not in a tent, but in a person, Jesus. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says the Word, that's Jesus, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. A literal translation would be and tabernacled among us. So Merry Christmas. <laughs> There's one flaw, though, in my theory, which a, a very clever and annoying friend of mine who was doing an MA with me at the time pointed out. Don't you just hate very clever, annoying people? Uh, and and the, the problem is, if Jesus was born during the Feast of the Tabernacle, then surely Luke would have mentioned that in his Gospel because he mentions all the other religious festivals. So who knows? But it makes you think, doesn't it? But the big thing that unifies all these harvest festivals, these three big harvest festivals, is they're all about giving. In Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 16, which we read earlier, continues, No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Harvest time is a time of giving. We all call to give. We all call to give, but in proportion to what we have. So we all call to give, but we don't all give the same amount. We all give in proportion to what God's given us. 
And, and the rule of thumb in the Bible is 10% a tithe. And so we all meant to give 10% of whatever God has blessed us with. And in Deuteronomy chapter 26, it gives us some really good principles about giving. Firstly, we should give sacrificially. Secondly, we should give gratefully. Thirdly, we should give joyfully. And fourthly, we should give as a means of of grace. So firstly, sacrificially. In Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 2, God says, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of your land. Here we see the principle of first fruits. What's the significance of that? Well, Farmers in those days, or probably, probably all farmers, but farmers in those days would, would only receive, would receive all their income at harvest time. You know, they would work all year, all year they would be working, and then just for a couple of weeks, they would go out and collect their harvest, and that would be all their income. And, and so they would never really know what they were going to make until they brought the harvest in. It was only when the harvest came in that they would know what the full yield was going to be. Now looking at you, most of you don't look like farmers. And uh, you, you probably have earned a salary, and, and so you, a monthly salary, and, and you probably therefore know what you're going to make each year. But of course these farmers didn't. And there's some people today who don't. Uh, people on zero-hour contracts, they don't know what they're going to make because they don't know how much work they're going to get. Uh, Self-employed, don't know how many contracts they're going to get. So they never really know what they're going to make for a year until the end of the year when everything's come in. And so these farmers would never know what they were going to make for the year until they actually collected their harvest and brought all their harvest in. And then and only then they would know. How does this affect our charitable giving? If you don't know what you're going to get for the year until you've brought in the whole harvest, how does it affect your charitable giving? Well, it's quite simple. What you do is you wait until you've brought your whole harvest in and then you know exactly what you have made for the year. And once you know exactly what you've got, you can say, well, I've made so much, so I can give this much to, to the ministry and the poor. Or, or I've made a little bit more, I can give a little bit more. I make a little bit less, I give a little bit less. Right? I mean, that's what you would do. But that's not what God says. That's not the principle of first fruits. God says, take some of the first fruits. That means you go out in the first couple of days and you harvest all the first fruits. You don't know what the full harvest is going to be. You're not even sure what the full yield is going to be. But that doesn't matter. You give your first fruit. This is the principle. If you wait until everything is in, then you'll end up giving God the surplus. Do you know what the surplus is? The surplus is the part you can afford to give without actually changing the way you live, without actually cutting into the way you live. It, it, 
giving the surplus is giving what you can afford to give and still doing everything you want to do. Still buying everything you want to buy. Still wearing all the clothes you want to wear. Still going to all the places you want to go. It, it's giving from the surplus. Is, is giving what you can afford to give without actually changing the way you live. And God says, I don't want the leftovers. I want the first overs. Okay, I made that word up. God says, I don't want the leftovers. I don't want the surplus. I don't want to, to only receive what you can afford. I want you to give sacrificially. I want you to give to a, to, to a place that it changes the way you live. I want you to give until, when, until the, at the place it hurts. I want you to give sacrificially. How do you like the sermon so far? I mean, what do you think of the first point? You're thinking, this, this is a bleak sermon. I really need to check out the fine, the fi, the fine print before, uh, before I, I decide to come on a Sunday. It's not a bleak sermon. This is only point one. We've still got point two, three, and four. Just hang in there. So point one, we need to give sacrificially, not out of the surplus. But point two, we need to give gratefully, not out of duty. In verse 9, actually more than verse 9, that they share a testimony. Notice in the, in the Old Testament, you can't just come and, and, and put your, your gift in the offertory place. No, no. You've got to go to the temple. You then give your gift to the priest. And then you publicly share your testimony about all the good things God has done for you. And at the end of this testimony, we read, uh, he says in verse, verse 9, God brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. He shares his testimony. His testimony is basically acknowledging that everything he has comes from God. Yeah, you see that? He's saying, I've got this great harvest, but, but actually it's only because you gave me this wonderful land. If it wasn't for this great land that you gave me, I wouldn't have anything. Sure, I've got this great harvest, but now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. This first fruits is yours. I'm just giving it back to you. He's acknowledging that everything he has comes from God. He's saying, yes, sure, I've worked really hard. Yes, this is the, the fruit of my labor, but I'm, I'm acknowledging that I wouldn't have anything of this if God didn't give me this wonderful land. I wouldn't have this unless God gave me this harvest. And so I'm just giving it back to you, God, to, to say I'm thankful. I'm so grateful for all you've given to me. And you say, well, I don't know if I can relate to this. I, you know, I'm not an Israelite. I'm not a farmer. God hasn't given me any land. And I've worked really, really hard for all my money. Sure, but with what? Well, with my talents. Sure, but where did you get those talents? Yes, but I just worked really, really hard and I've earned this money. It's my money. 
Well, sure, but if you weren't born in the UK and you were born on top of a mountain in outer Mongolia, I don't care how hard you worked, you would still be poor. Everything, everything we have comes from God. The place we were born. God has opened up so many opportunities for us. But the, the place we were born, the country we were born, the parents we had, the education we've got, the job opportunities we have, we wouldn't have anything if it wasn't from God. God has given us everything. And therefore, we are merely giving back to God what's already His. as our way of saying thank you. And then thirdly, we give joyfully. In verse 11, it says, Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you will rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given you and your household. So when they come to give, you take note, they're rejoicing. So we're not only called to, to give with gratitude, not out of duty, but we're called to give joyfully. You see, when I said that we need to give to the point where it hurts, I was talking about hurting your budget, hurting your lifestyle. It shouldn't be hurting on the inside. You shouldn't be gritting your teeth and saying, oh, I know I have to give, and I'm just, oh, I have to give. No, it should be you willingly, graciously, and joyfully give. How can we give sacrificially with joy? Well, we can only do that when we've come to realize how much God has done for us. And that's why part of the testimony that they share is not just an acknowledging that everything comes from God, but they actually acknowledge what God has done for them. In verse 6 to 8, he says, But the Egyptians ill-treated us and made us suffer. Then we cried out to the Lord, and God, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. They acknowledged everything God had done, done for them. God had rescued them from slavery from Egypt. They hadn't done anything to deserve that. God simply did that because he loved them and he wanted a relationship with them. And when they come to realize how much God had done for them and how much God had loved them, they're able to give back to God with joy. And when we come to realize how much God has done for us and how much God loves us, that he was prepared to die for us, we too will be able to give sacrificially with joy. Jesus puts it like this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 to 21. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why does Jesus say, in the middle of talking about giving, why does Jesus say, for where... Your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What he's effectively saying here is wherever you, whatever your heart most treasures will be where your money goes most effortlessly. You will spend with joy 
on the things your heart most treasures. So for example, let's, let's suppose you don't like rugby. You can't stand rugby at all, but the rest of your family loves rugby and they all want to go to the Millennium Stadium to watch Wales play rugby. And so you very reluctantly think, okay, I've got to go, I've got to do this, I've got to take the kids. When you see the ticket price for the Millennium Stadium, it's like a stab to the heart. But you think, oh, I've got to do this for this kid. So you reluctantly go. And the whole time you're thinking, I can't believe how much money I'm spending. Why? Because your heart's not in it. But imagine for a moment that you love rugby and you're a big Welsh fan, big rugby fan, and Wales is playing in the Six Nations and it looks like they're going to win the Grand Slam. You're going to be, who cares about the cost? Who cares? Pass the hot dogs. Why? Whatever your heart most treasures will be where your money goes most effortlessly. When you truly love something, you're going to have no problem spending. In fact, your problem is going to be that you might spend too much. This is a great way to tell where your heart is. This is a great way to see if your relationship with God is merely arbitrary and impersonal, yeah, I believe in God, yeah, I better give to, you know, to the ministry and to the poor, you know, where do I make the check out to? Or if you've really experienced that love and grace of God in your heart personally, because when you've experienced the love of God and when you love God, you're going to love giving. And you'll start giving sacrificially, but with joy. If you struggle to give sacrificially and with joy, it reveals that there's a problem in your heart when it comes to your relationship with God. Actually, now that I think about it, this point's not much better than the first. <laughs> okay, I admit it. But reflect on this. What do we say about giving sacrificially? We say that God doesn't want from the surplus. He doesn't want your leftovers. He wants you to give to the, to the point that it hurts, that it actually changes the way you live. Did God give? Reflect on that. Did God give? Did Jesus give? Did Jesus give to the point that it hurt? Did Jesus give to the point where it changed his life? Jesus gives way more than to the point that it changes his life. Jesus gave to the point that he lost his life. Jesus didn't just give so he changed his life. Jesus gave so he lost his life for you. When you receive that, when you realize that he did all of that for you, when you take that into your heart, it melts your heart, it changes your heart. And you'll say, well, if Jesus is able to give to the point where he loses his life for me, surely I can give to the point where it changes my life for him. You'll be able to give. You'll willingly give. You'll give sacrificially and with joy. 
You'll be able to give in all circumstances, any circumstances. Remember the widow's might. You'll give. You'll love to give. Then fourthly, we should give as a means of grace. In verse 11 says, Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you will rejoice. It's not just you who's going to be rejoicing, but the Levites and the foreigners will rejoice. Who are they? Well, the Levites were the priests. And so the, the produce that they would bring, uh, the, the financial gifts that they would bring, would go to support the priests. It would go to support the ministry. And they would give some to the foreigners. And, and the next verse says that they actually give some to the foreigners. That's the record. And, and, and the fatherless and, and the widows, that those are the poor and the destitute in, in, in the society. And so when we give, we need to give to the church to support the ministry. And we need to give to charities like BMS to support the poor. And when we do that, our money will become a means of grace and it will lead to people, more people, rejoicing. You see, when you allow the grace of God to shape you and, and, and you allow the, the, the grace of God to liberate you so that you're able to give, to give sacrificially and with joy, then your money becomes far more than just money. It becomes a means of grace. And it leads to liberation. It goes to the ministry that leads to people being liberated spiritually. It goes to the poor, which means people get liberated physically. It becomes a means of grace and leads to more people rejoicing. So let's give sacrificially, Gratefully, joyfully, and as a means of grace. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for giving us a costly salvation which changes our lives and our hearts. In particular, it changes the way in which we look at our money. Father, make us a generous congregation. Make us a generous people. Make us a people who know how to give and love it. We ask, Lord, that, that then you would take us and make us vehicles of your grace because we've given our hearts to you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for speaking to us. Make it true in us through your Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for watching. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.